right. Hi, Desert Word Center. Good morning, everybody. How are we doing this morning? Amen. What a good day to be in the house of the Lord on a great summer Sunday morning. Praise God. Well, we got lots of great stuff coming up over the next uh, season and uh, lots to be thankful for. But we're going to go ahead and start off our service today, like we always do, by speaking some words of faith over the United States of America. Let's stand up together today. Praise God. Because we believe that we are going to see America come to Jesus, amen, and we, we are just continuing to speak uh, these words of faith. Hallelujah. Well, let's go ahead and speak these words together. We declare that America, well, I think that's the middle of the faith confession there, isn't it? <laughs> Is that the middle of it? All right, let's start that over, my friends. Oh, there we go. All right, we're working on this. We're, all right. Father, in Jesus' name, we come to you in Jesus' name, and in unity, we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord some praise today. Hallelujah. All right. So before we meet and greet, since you won't announce it for yourself, Today's Pastor Dave's birthday. Okay, and only because I completely have the right to do this, we're going to sing to you. Are you ready? Josh, you want to start us off? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you.
He found the captives broke the bondage of our chains. And we have redemption through the price that he has paid. He gave his life to purchase freedom from the fall. Our mediator was the ransom for us all. There is only one God. There is only one mediator standing between God and man. He's the only way to salvation. found the captives broke the bondage of our chains and we have redemption through the price that he has paid and he gave his life to purchase freedom from the fall our mediator was the ransom for us all there is only short of is teenagers. So thank you teenagers for making it happen this morning. We love you. Thank you for serving in the house of God. Amen. Well, there's a few things going on other than your birthday that we're very happy you were born. Yes. There's a men's fishing trip tomorrow. Tomorrow, the men's fishing trip. So if you have signed up, 
make sure that your phone number is on there when it comes back around. And if you would like to sign up, it's not too late. You can totally go. They are going to Balboa Pier tomorrow in San Diego. Pole rentals are $20. So we're meeting at the church here at 4 a.m., but you can also meet up at Balboa Pier later should you not want to get up at 3 a.m. to be here at 4 a.m. But we have people who meet it when they're going fishing. So 4 a.m., are you meeting in front of Victory? Okay, so the only the back gate will be open. Meet in front of Victory Hall behind this building and see you at 4 a.m. with your $20 pole rental. Amen? Okay, we also have a pool party coming up. Did you hear we're going to have a pool party? Woohoo! Yes, very excited about that. So we outgrew Robert and Susan Valdez's pool, you know, because there's a lot of us. And so they cannot host the church pool party anymore. So <laughs> so we expanded to the Henderson pool. It's going to be on August 1st, and it's going to be at 630 August 1st. So make sure that you come and that you bring something to stay hydrated, okay? Obviously, we're not going to allow you in with any alcoholic beverages because we don't do that kind of thing. So bring a water or a soda, you know, or some juice. So we will have a pool party August 1st, 630 at Henderson Pool. And there's men's meeting coming on August 6th. Are you ready for your men's meeting, men? Woohoo. Who's cooking breakfast this time? Any takers? No one's raising their hand. Robert, your hand is currently up in the air. I'm just saying. (laughs) So if you would like to help cook breakfast for the men's meeting, please let me know after service, and I'll make sure you get that opportunity. Oh, okay, Robert's cooking breakfast. So if you'd like to help cook breakfast or bring things to cook, talk to Robert and apparently James. Amen. Okay, last announcement. Promotion Sunday is when we bring all these kids who keep growing continuously, and we send them to their new class before school starts. So August 7th, all of the children's church students who are going from nursery to children's or from Jam Junior into Jam, or those of you who are going from youth into the world and adulthood, we will be happy to give you a certificate and send you on your way. So we are going to celebrate that together on August 7th uh, at the 10 a.m. service. Are you doing membership? Okay. If you are with us for the first time, or the first time in a long time, wave at me. Would you wave at me? I am so glad to have you with us today. We love you. Welcome to church. We know we're crazy, but it's okay. It's all for Jesus, and we're happy to be here. Amen? Thank you for being with us. Um, They are going to bring you some information about the church, and if you bring that to the info booth after service, they will get you a gift. Amen? Those of you who are... In our last membership class, could you please stand? Last Sunday night, um, the Disco Coop crew, is that what we called them? Praise the Lord. If you could come on up. (laughs) So in case you don't get that joke, number one, this is a lively bunch, all extroverts. So it was a very interesting class. (laughs) Very interesting But the church started in a chicken coop in Newberry Springs. So when we told them that, they said, our mascot's a chicken. And I said, do we have a church mascot? And they said, we are going to be the disco coop crew. I don't know where disco came from, 
but oh right victory hall used to be a dance hall so that's how they the disco coop crew anyway welcome to the family crazy people uh i don't think they're here is our brylin brylin serving upstairs okay so is she in the nursery when you see brylin crank welcome her to the disco coop and vita do we have vita here this morning not yet. Okay. And my, okay, Raymond Uliberry. Welcome to the crew. Okay, stay up here. Miss Jocelyn Crank. And Miss Destiny Medina. Okay. All right. Well, praise God. We're going to take a picture. Very good. Well, praise God. It's great to see so many wonderful things happening. And uh, in the Church Now membership class, we will do it again here in a few months because I know it seems like each round there's some that couldn't quite make it or whatever. So uh, it's a great opportunity to get more involved. And as I always say, to make it official that HGWC is your home church. It's like putting a ring on that finger. Can I get an amen? All right. Praise God. Well, uh, who knows what time it is now? Yes, sir. It's happy time. And uh, we always say that because God loves a cheerful giver. And when Jesus got a hold of your heart, you are grateful and thankful to give. Amen. So we'll have Pastor go ahead and do our Sunday morning tithes and offerings. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. I'm going to give you a little samples family trivia first. I talked about Pastor Dave's birthday. I think you'd like this. Uh, Joshua up here on the platform. When Mrs. Pastor and I got married, Joshua was the first baby we had together. And Mrs. Pastor was convinced that his name was going to be Mary. And that, that was before they tried to change all the stuff where you could be named Mary if you was a boy. But anyway, she was so sure she was going to have a girl, we didn't have a boy's name. So this was back in the days when the hospitals wasn't as nice as they are now and uh, had a great big room where all the ladies stayed in together and had their labor pains and everything and then just a bunch of people together. And uh, we had, it was almost like a communist type place. We had to walk past this, and the reason I say that, when I was in Russia, I had this old mean communist lady that ran the hotel and we had to walk past her and check in and check out. And she checked us so at the hospital, <clears throat> had this really mean, mean, mean looking lady at this table at the door going in to see your wife about kids and stuff. And, and some of the older guys, gals, may remember Betty Davis. Remember Betty Davis? Always played a really, really mean, murderous type lady. Well, that's what this lady looked like. She about had a mustache and mean looking and sitting there. And at that point in time, Betty Davis had just written her biography, her autobiography. And this lady's sitting there reading this book called Mommy Dearest. And it's Betty Davis, she looked really mean. And it took faith to walk past her just to get to see my wife and baby. So uh, was it was in the room there. Josh had just been bored. And uh, we're looking at each other like, it's not Mary. What's his name? I said, I don't know. We're going to have to get a name. And so right when I was walking out that day to leave, we're going past uh, Mrs. Mean. She's reading that book. She looks up at me. And right then, 
This has showed you how God can talk to you anywhere. He looks on this side, he says, his name's Joshua Aaron. I mean, just as clear as a bell. I looked at her. I wasn't afraid anymore. I thought, God's in here too. So I walked back, and I told her his name's Joshua Aaron. He said, yeah, that's a good name. I said, yeah, God gave it to him. It's a good name. And so anyway, a year and a half later, when David's born, <clears throat> and what I'll give you some financial advice, too, on this one if you don't have insurance. We went to the hospital for David with no insurance, got there five minutes till midnight. And so then he was born a few hours later. So when he goes check out, they told me, oh, for an extra day. I said, what do you mean the extra day? He's only here that one day. I said, no, you got here five till midnight. You should have waited. So David was six years old when we got him paid off. But, but here, here, here's, the, here, here, here's the trivia on his name. Well, because God gave us the first name, and she was convinced again we was going to have a Mary. And so there was no name for him. So we're in the hospital, and, you know, it's like, actually it's like two days later, we got charged that one day, then the next one. And so they're coming in, they said, well, so what's, what's the name to put on the birth certificate? We kept looking at each other, and God didn't tell us any name. So we was waiting, he never told us any name. So the lady, the lady came with that birth certificate before they checked it out, said, if you don't give us a name, we're going to make up one, we'll put it on there. That's her words. And so we just looked and said, well, uh, 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 uh. How about David? And we went to another Bible today. How about Jeremiah? So it's okay, put on there David Jeremiah. So that's how he got his name <laughs> right then like that. And I had to believe it was spirit-led, whether we felt like it or not. So that's how they got their names. And so with modern times and all these ultrasounds and stuff they can do, you, you get an advance warning if you want it, but we didn't have one. So we had, we had, to, we had to go with what we had. So that's some samples family trivia. <laughs> All right, look at Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. And if you need an yeah, go ahead, Dylan. <laughs> and if you need an envelope, put up your hand for your tithes, your offerings. And I want to remind you that when it's time to receive, I know most people give online now, but you come up to the altar anyway and just come up here and worship and just talk to the Lord the way up to the altar and say, Lord, I've given, I've tithed. And I just want to worship you for what I've done. Amen? Because that's what the Bible teaches, to worship him with your tithes and your offerings. So Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. And a matter of fact, tonight I'm going to be teaching off this verse about families. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. But this verse here goes right along with it. He said, I call heaven, this is Moses talking, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you. I have set before you life and death blessing and cursing, and then God says, but I'm not going to make your choices for you. You can't leave it up to me. He said, therefore, you choose life, that both you and your seed may live, your children. And I know that Christians that haven't been taught right, that are ignorant about the the Bible, they say things like, well, God's will be done. I'll just leave it in his hands. Well, in his word, most every decision you need to make in life, he's already spelled out the word of God. He said, I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. He said, therefore, you choose life because I gave you a free will. You choose if you're going to be a person that tithes or not. You choose if you're going to be a person that goes to church regularly or not. You choose if you're going to love and forgive. You choose 
if you're going to talk right or not. You choose what you're going to do. He said, I'm telling you right here in my word, here's what I want you to do, but now you make the choice. What do you want to do? Amen. And so uh, I I know I, I can't say this enough because we need to hear this and hear this. We're living in perilous times financially and every other way. And God has said in his word what to do for us to make choices to come out on top. I praise God that whether I fill up my gas tank for $100 or $50, Philippians 4.19 does not change. My God will supply all of your need. According to his riches, glory by Christ Jesus. I praise God whether I get <laughs> the water bell story. Wow. She bought a water and for a birthday celebration. We had my birthday a couple of weeks ago. And she told me what that water it cost. I said, man, take it back. <laughs> I, 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 I used to sell truckloads for that much, but as a boy, we used to go up the street selling watermelons, tomatoes, and everything, and man, we gave that much for a pickup truckload. But anyway, what I'm saying is this. We need to make choices about our money and put God first. If we'll put God first with our tithes, and we'll choose to do offerings, and do what God puts in our heart to do, that God said in Malachi chapter 3, said, I will rebuke the devourer for you. I will open up the windows of heaven and pour out my blessings on you that you'll always have more than enough for gas. You'll always be able to take your family vacations in spite of what goes on. You'll be able to do what you need to do because tithers have rights. Tithing does not get you to heaven. Born again gets you to heaven. But tithing opens up heaven on you on earth while you're still down here. Amen. So that's what we want to live there. So anyway, God said, therefore, you choose what you're going to do. And I just, I just suggest that if you're not a Christian yet that knows what tithing is all about, we have books in the bookstore. You can read the Bible on the subject of tithing to show you what to do. But the main thing is God's the one that shows us in the Word of God what to do to enjoy His best. At the times we live in, you need to be able to get to the place We say, God, I trust you with my money. Therefore, I've given you your 10% back. And I thank you for your blessing on the 90% that you allowed me to keep. Amen? Well, let's stand up and make our financial faith confession. And we will bring our tithes and offers up to the altar after we do this and worship him with them. I'm waiting for the confession. All right, thank you. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs, our better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commission, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritance, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, meet all my financial needs. So I have more than enough to take good care of my family and give just to the kingdom of God, promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Every once in a while, I like to give the band the day off so we can all just hear each other sing better. So if we can, let's all come up front and sing together today. And then we won't blow your eardrums off. Let's sing.
If there's one thing I'm asking, one thing I'm needing, a moment that's passing is not what we're seeking. But it's the air I'm breathing. I want your presence, feet on the earth. Heart full of heaven, seal for you completely consumes me. I can't get enough, can't get enough of you. Your fire is burning right through me. I can't get enough, can't get enough of you. You can't get enough of you. You. Your spirit, more than a feeling. I don't need a reason to keep chasing who you are. Like it's the air I'm breathing. I want your presence, feet on the earth. Heart full of heaven, zeal for you completely consumes me. I can't get enough, can't get enough of you. Your fire is burning right through me. I can't get enough, can't get enough of you. You can't get enough of you. I'm after your spirit. I'm after your spirit more than a feeling. I don't need a reason to keep chasing who you are. Like it's the air I'm breathing. I want your presence, feet on the earth. A heart full of heaven, seal for you completely consumes me. I can't get enough. Can't get enough of you. Your fire is burning right through me. I can't get enough. Can't get enough of you. You can't get enough of you. You can't get enough of you. Let's sing every beat is yours. Every beat is yours, you can have it all, take over like only you can. All I'm reaching for, you and nothing more, take over like only you can. Sing that. Every beat is yours, you can have it all, take over like only you can. All I'm reaching for, you and nothing more, take over like only you can. Only you can, like only you can, zeal for you completely consumes me. I can't get enough, can't get enough of you. Your fire is burning right through me. I can't get enough, can't get enough of you. You can't get enough of you. You 
more time, let's sing Every Beat is Yours. Every beat is yours, you can have it all. Take over like only you can. All I'm reaching for, you and nothing more. Take over like only you can. Every beat is yours, you can have it all. Take over like only you can. All I'm reaching for, you and nothing more. Take over like only you can. Like only you can. Like only you can. The zeal for you completely consumes me. I can't get enough. Can't get enough of you. Your fire is burning right through me. I can't get enough. Can't get enough of you. You can't get enough of you. You can't get enough of you. Just the mention of your name can raise the dead. So all the glory to the only one who can. Jesus, it's you. Jesus, it's you. And I believe you're the wonder-working God. You're the wonder-working God. All the miracles I've seen, too good to not believe. You're the wonder-working God. And you heal because you love. All the miracles I've seen, too good to not believe. Too good to not believe. 
and you heal because you love all the miracles I've seen. Too good to not believe. You're the wonder. You're the wonder working God. You're the wonder working God. All the miracles I've seen. Too good to not believe. You're the wonder working God. And you heal because you love. All the miracles I've seen. Too good to not believe. Too good to not believe. Too good to not believe. And I believe. And I believe. You're the wonder-working God. You're the wonder-working God. All the miracles I've seen. Too good to not believe. You're the wonder-working God. And you heal because you love. All the miracles I've seen. Too good to not believe. Too good to not believe. Too good to not believe. Hallelujah. Lord, we worship you today. And we thank you that you are too good to not believe, Father. We thank you for your loving kindness, your mercies that are new every single morning. Lord, you are so good to us. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm just sitting here thinking as we're singing all the miracles that I've seen in my lifetime. And, and I mean, there's even some of you in this room. I, I look at your lives where you used to be and I'm like, wow. That's a miracle because they were pretty screwed up a while back. Amen. Hey, no offense, but I'm just being real here. And my goodness, what Jesus has done in your lives. Amen. Wow. And you know, some of you may be like, yeah, well, I'm not where I want to be. But my goodness, look where you came from. You're not where you used to be at all. You came light years from where you were. And some of you, you, you struggled so hard. You, you, you know, you were always told you could do anything you put your mind to, but you really tried to put your mind to beating that addiction and you couldn't do it. You really tried to put your mind to overcoming the issues you had, but you couldn't do it. But when you put Jesus to it, you overcame it in no time at all. Amen. Hallelujah. Jesus can do in one second what all of human power and all of human will couldn't do in a lifetime. Jesus is so good. He is the wonder-working God. And, and so I encourage you today, man, to just look at your life for a minute. And again, you may be saying, yeah, but I'm not there yet. But look how far you've come. And it's only by the grace of God. It's a miracle that you're here today. And, and you may think, well, man, there, 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 I've never really seen a real miracle. There's probably miracles that have taken place in your life that you don't even realize were a miracle. Amen. There's probably times that the devil tried to wipe you out before you ever gave your life to Jesus. But by the grace of God, his angels blocked that from taking place. And you're here today. There's things that have happened that you will never know about until you get to heaven. And God says, hey, I want to tell you a little secret here. Let me tell you about something. You didn't know this down there, but let me show you something. And I'll bet he'll play back a little reel from your life. And you'll say, I had no idea that that was going to happen. But Jesus protected you. 
Man, our God's good. He's so good that we don't even know how good he is. The Apostle Paul put it this way in Ephesians. He said, I pray that you would begin to comprehend the love of God, but it is t- it's too great for any human to fully ever understand. And I try, and I get glimpses, and, 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 and the more that I know him, the more that I love him, but I'll never fully get a grasp or a handle on or comprehend the love of God, which has been revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. He is a good father. He is good to us. And we got to give him, that's all I can say is I can never pay him back, but I'm going to try my best for as long as I'm on this earth to give him everything I've got. And and it's not enough, but it's all I've got to give. And I'm going to give him everything that I am because he deserves it. Amen. Can we give Jesus some praise this morning? Hallelujah. God is good to us. The Lord is good. And his mercy endures forever and ever and ever. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, you can make your way to your seats today. Amen. What a good day to be in the house of God. And we're going to get into his word here. And, uh, you know, that's, that's just incredible that what the word of God can do in our lives. You know, uh, Hebrews puts it this way, that the word of God is alive and it's powerful and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And so as we, uh, as we get our Bibles out today, we've got to realize that that's not just some book. It's not just some historical document. Amen. It is alive and it's powerful and it can change us if we will let it. Amen. All right. Well, who knows what we've been talking about for the past several weeks? Excuse me. What did you say? This is America. What? No, no, I'm kidding. we're speaking Greek right now. Amen. We're talking about agape. And what is that? That is the Greek word in Bible times for love. Amen. Well, there are several, several words for love and we've looked at those, but this is the most important God kind of love. And if you would get your concordance out and look all throughout uh, the New Testament, we consistently see that the word that Jesus and Paul and the other writers used was this word agape. And the best way to describe it is unconditional, no strings attached love. And so what I found uh, and probably what you've seen is that in our modern society, we all kind of have our own idea of what love is. And usually it involves some sort of romantic hallmark mark chick flick type of idea right and you know those are fun that's cute and that's cool but really what we're trying to get at is what is God's definition because I found out that we can all put our own definition on words and 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 it doesn't matter because God's definition of the word is what matters amen and so what we when we talk about agape Jesus said in John 13 34 I'm giving you a new commandment that you must love one another and he said you must agape one another as I have agaped you and then he said the world will know you're my disciples indeed by your love your agape your unconditional love for one another and so we've been really digging into this for the past few weeks and I, I see there that I put a part four. This is actually part five. So, uh, you know, cross that out. <laughs> but it's part five of our uh, our d- discussions on uh, the agape, unconditional love of God. And a few weeks ago, if you remember, we looked at 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8. And we really saw what the best Bible 
definition and an explanation of love is. And, and uh, you know, a lot of people know these verses, but it says love is patient and kind. It is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It's not selfish. It doesn't try to always get what's best for yourself. The love of God, it prefers other people and it lays down our own rights. And it's incredible that the more that we study what God's definition of love is, the more I find out how wrong I have been in how I've been doing this whole thing. And I'll bet you could say the same thing. So last week we discussed the topic of forgiveness. And I believe that we really uh, touched a nerve with a lot of us on that, realizing that, man, yeah, people may have wronged me, but I, I did wrong to Jesus, and he still forgave me anyway. And so we have, were told repeatedly in the New Testament that you are required to forgive simply because you have been forgiven. And if we don't forgive others, then, uh, then hey, we're not going to receive forgiveness in our life. First of all, and it is absolutely going to hinder uh, our prayers and everything else uh, that we're trying to accomplish here. So forgiveness is big, all right? If you need an outline for today's message, raise your hand. If you didn't get one coming in, the ushers will get you one. But today we're going to be discussing an even more fun topic. And I don't, you know, I just, listen, people ask me, well, where do you get your sermons from? I just ask Jesus what needs to be said this week, and the Holy Spirit tells me. And so if any of these feel like they're picking on you, then talk to Jesus, all right? It feels like, man, why are we talking about that? Hey, I'm just trying to do what Jesus says to do. So what we're going to talk about this week for a few minutes is the topic of anger. Yeah, all right. Who's excited? Yeah, go. All right. We're going to be talking about, about how we can deal in a godly way with anger. And this is an interesting topic because it applies to all of us, uh, you know, who we all deal with anger at different times because it's an emotion, right? And we all have emotions. And I also realize with any topic we discuss that some things are more of a struggle for certain people than others. And so, you know, some people are simply born with a, with more of a chilled out, laid back demeanor and, and, you know, you can get angry, but it takes a lot to push you there, but you struggle with other areas. Now I'll say in my life, anger hasn't been one of those things for me personally. That's been a, a you know, a, a struggle. Um, I've got other struggles. Believe me, I got plenty of other downfalls and struggles and things that I'm working on. Anger hasn't been at the top of my list though. I have, you know, at times experienced it. Right. And, and, and so I know that as we look at this, that there's so many people that tell me that, man, Anger is just an issue for me. And usually we try to defend it or justify it through different things. One of the things that I always hear people use to defend and justify their anger, nine times out of ten someone will use their genealogy or, or their ethnicity. Like, we're Irish. We got a temper. Like, whoa, calm down, Lucky. Jeez, chill out, dude. Come on. We're Italian. We always get mad. We just got this Italian temper. You know, we're Mexican. We're angry people. Stop that. Quit it. That's no excuse to blame your ancestors or your blood for why you get angry all the time. Okay? That's just, I mean, that doesn't work that way. And so we are all held accountable for our actions, and we all are held to the same standard. We keep, you know, I keep repeating this because it's an absolute truth. You know, Reverend Ray Bench talked about this when he was here back in May, and it just really seemed to hit home with me. 
that in baseball, right, home plate is 17 inches across, I think is what he said, 17 inches. Now, for some people, maybe uh, the pitcher, for some pitchers, it's real easy to keep it within that 17 inches. For some guys, it's harder. But if just because it's harder for you to throw the ball within that range, that doesn't mean that the umpire says, okay, for you, since it's a little bit harder, we're going to widen home plate to 20 inches for you. Then when the next guy gets up, we'll move it back to 17 inches. No, the standard stays the same for everybody. Even if it's a little bit harder for you, you're still held to the same standard. Well, what's the standard? The word of God is the standard. And so just because something's a little bit harder for me, that just means, hey, I'm just going to have to apply myself and apply God's word a little bit harder to my life in this particular area. But I cannot expect God to adjust who he is. I cannot expect God to rewrite the Bible just to fit my life. I'm going to have to rewrite my life to fit to the Bible. Amen. And so uh, if there's something that needs to change, it's not God's word. If I'm the one that's got to change. And so, again, I realize that uh, anger and temper can, uh, for some people, it's really the top list of struggle. And, you know, I don't know why, but I, I, just, just to start us off on the right foot, I'm going to tell a story on myself. Okay, and then you can laugh at me or judge me or think you're better than me, and then we can get into the Word of God and and really get to it. Amen. I've got several stories, I guess, but uh, I won't tell this particular story. But my family knows the most mad I've ever been in my life, ten out of ten, the most angry, where I just nearly just lost it, involved my dog doing something really bad in the backyard, and I I just I I reached the top of the level, but. A second time that I can think of is this, that is a little more dignified for church, uh, is right after I had COVID last year, something just happened to my brain for like a few weeks. And I don't know if anybody else went through that, but I, my mind was just in a fog for like three weeks and I couldn't think clearly. I was not myself. And I remember I came back for the Thanksgiving service because if there's one service I will not miss, it's the Thanksgiving service at High Desert Word Center. We got the best eats in Barstow on that day. Amen. And so I'm not going to miss it. I mean, I don't care. I will get in here. And so I was, you know, I was supposed to preach and I got up here. I don't remember anything I said. I don't remember what any of you, you know, said to me, but I was not here mentally. But a couple days before that was one of our first times out of the house in several weeks. And we made a really bad decision. We decided, hey, it's the Christmas season. Let's go down to Victorville where there's 5 billion people at the mall area. And let's just go down there amongst them. Well, I'm a small town guy. I don't prefer large crowds. And I know that Victorville is not the biggest city in the world. I get that. But I do know that everybody was there that day trying to score a deal down at Sears. And so we're down there and... Uh, my gosh, this is so stupid, but we went to the Walmart right there by Sears, and there's people everywhere, and Pastor Katie and the kids ran into a store, and, and, I, was, uh, and, and, and I was trying to get a parking spot in the parking lot. There's this lady behind me as I'm waiting to get out and make my turn, and she is just laying on the horn, and I was like, <laughs> okay, stop now. <laughs> You need to stop. And and I couldn't get out. There's oncoming cars, and she's honking more. This usually isn't an issue. Usually I'll just laugh and turn some praise and worship music on, and, and I'll have a praise break right in the middle of the, you know, oh, well, come on, yeah. And so, uh, but but she kept honking. And then she starts waving her arms, and I'm like, 
I, there's cars. I can't move, sweetheart. And, and, and she keeps honking and honking. And then she's got the audacity. You know what Karen did? Karen went right around me, cut me off into oncoming traffic, and pulled in. And I just escalated. And my son was in the back of the van. And I see him climbing down the seat. Like, he's never seen me mad like this. And I was like, what's your problem, lady? And I was yelling. And I have, that was probably the second maddest I've ever been in my life. I got the family in the car. We went straight back to Barstow. I was like, get me home. I am not fit for public consumption right now. I went home, and I just had to pray and get myself. I've never been that. One other time I've been more mad than that. Anyway, maybe someday you'll hear that story. But I was so angry. And as I've told this story to people, it surprised me. People are like, yeah, man, I feel like that like every day. I'm like, you, you feel like that every day? I want to I want to bring some help in the name of Jesus to us where we can get through some of the things that we struggle with. And so what we're talking about today is, you know, I feel the Holy Spirit tell us to talk about this is the topic of anger and tempers, all right? So let's pray and we're going to get right in to God's word and I believe that if we would approach his word with open hearts and uh, and and put down any defenses that we have that God could speak to us and help us today. Who wants to get better in life? Come on, yeah. I, I mean, I, I I don't. I'm not happy w- with where I'm at yet. I want to get better for Jesus. And and if I've got issues, I don't want to defend those issues. I don't want to you know uh, 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 justify those issues. I want to get better and better so I can be the best I can be to bring honor to the name of Jesus and be the best husband and dad and pastor and dude that I can be. Amen. So let's pray today. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for your word. And God, we know that your word, oh my goodness, it's truth. Your word is truth. And you said that if we would know the truth, the truth would set us free. And so I pray today in the name of Jesus that you would speak to us. And Lord, if we've got pride, if we've got defense mechanisms going up right now, I pray that we would lay those down and listen to your word and that it would have free course amongst us in the name of Jesus. Can everyone say amen? All right. So number one is this. Now, this may come as a surprise to you, but it's not a sin to be angry. It is not a sin to be angry. It all depends on how you handle that anger. And so let's look at Ephesians 4 and verse 26. Amen. Ephesians 4. We're going to go back to Ephesians 4 several times today because really the whole end of this chapter is dealing with uh, with our conduct and our behavior. And a lot of it is dealing directly with anger and our temper. But let's look at this and we're going to see it in the King James Version because, hey, that's how I learned it. Amen. So Ephesians 4. And we're going to look here at verse 26, and there is a really, really important truth in this passage and in this verse right here, all right? So Ephesians 4, 26 in the King James, it says, be ye angry. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Did the Bible just say to be angry? Well, sometimes you need to be. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. And so it clearly tells us right there, in fact, it says, be angry, just don't sin 
with your anger. And then there's some very wise uh, advice right there to let not the sun go down upon your wrath. And in, in our marriage, we've really tried to apply that for all these years together. We're coming up on 18 years. And so when I, when I look at that, I was looking at the other day that we've been a couple longer in our lives than we were not a couple. We've, we've crossed the 50% threshold of our years of actually being a couple, you know, because we started dating at 17. But this is one thing that we didn't know much getting married. I'll tell you that. We were little kids. We didn't know anything at all. But somehow, by the grace of God, we picked this up from the Bible to not let the sun go down upon your wrath. And so if we've got beef, if we've got something going on, we have always tried to squash that and handle it before we go to sleep at night. And, and, and you know, hey, we haven't done everything right, but that's one thing that I feel we've done right. And it's really, uh, it's really made things work. Thank you, Jesus. But it's not a sin to be angry. It just depends on how you handle the anger. And let me tell you something further, that Jesus got angry sometimes. And I want to show you something here in Matthew chapter 21. Let's flip over there. We will be coming back to Ephesians 4, but let's look at Matthew chapter 21. Amen. Who's glad they came to church today? All right. Matthew chapter 21, and we're going to look at a few verses here. And, uh, and so Jesus himself, he got angry. But it, it, it depends on, first of all, what you're angry about and how you handle your anger. So Matthew 21 And we're going to look at verses 12 through 13. So here's Jesus himself. It says, Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out all the people buying and selling animals for sacrifice. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. He said to them, the scriptures declare my temple will be called a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. Woo! Jesus was angry that day. Can you imagine him just flipping things over and, 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 and doing all this stuff? That's an incredible thing to think about. But what you got to realize is what Jesus had going on here is what we call righteous indignation. What is that? He was angry for a righteous cause. You understand that, right? Because some of the things that we get angry and flip out about It's not really a righteous cause. We get angry because some lady was honking the horn at us and we blow up. Now, maybe you deserve to be a little angry, but at the same time, that's not a righteous cause. Jesus was angry because they were disrespecting the house of God. They were just turning it into a, you know, to, to a, a shopping mall and to a street vendors in there. I mean, they were just turning it into a, a, a not the house of God. And Jesus was angry for a righteous and holy reason. There's a big difference between that and some of the stupid things that I've gotten angry about in life. Big difference. And so Jesus handled it and, and, and he had, he, he did something about the injustice that was taking place. And so on your outline here, anger is an emotion and God gave us our emotions. That's on your outline. Anger is an emotion and God gave us our emotions. So you realize that God gave us the ability to be happy, right? He gave us this ability to sometimes be sad. 
and he gave us the ability to be angry. There's a time and a place for all of these emotions. And, and so, yeah, you know, when something sad happens, God gave you the emotion of sadness to be able to express that in a way that's healthy for you. And, and, you know, maybe something really great happens, then yes, you should rejoice and be happy and express yourself. That's all good. And here's where we get into trouble. When we let any one of these emotions dominate or, or control us or make decisions for us, we can bring harm to our life. Even the emotion of happiness. If you make decisions because all of a sudden you're just in a really happy mood. I feel so happy today. Whoa, I think I'll go buy a $100,000 truck because I feel so good. Well, then you can start getting the payments and you're like, oh my gosh, I wish I would have not made that purchase decision when I was just feeling very emotional. Or maybe you're like, you know what? I'm so angry today. Today's the day that I will finally tell her what I really think. Maybe you should take a deep breath Pray about it, calm down, and then express yourself in a healthy manner. But whenever we let emotions control us, and whenever we make any decision during a time of extreme emotion, we will tend to do really, really stupid things. And somebody that's controlled by their emotions is a scary person because you never know what you're going to get with that person. I remember a boss that I had that he was, one day he would come into the office, how you guys doing? I just want to buy breakfast for everybody today. Woo, all right. Isn't it a beautiful day? But the next day he'd come in, kicking chairs, slamming doors. Oh, I can't believe I hired any, and just cussing people out. And so it was Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Nobody ever knew what mood he was going to come in that day with. And so you were just cowering beneath your desk waiting to see, are we getting the good guy or the bad guy? We don't know. And that's very, very uh, uh, toxic for a work environment. How toxic is that for your children every day when they don't know, is mom going to be angry today or is she going to be nice? Is dad going to come home cussing all of us out or is dad going to come home wanting to play ball? When nobody ever knows what they're going to get with you, Everybody walks on eggshells around you because you're so fragile. And you're like, man, why does everybody act weird around me? Because they don't know if they're going to say one wrong word that's going to flip you out and, and, and absolutely shatter them that day. Don't blame them. we got to start looking at ourselves. And so anger is something that we've got to deal with. God did give it to us. And on your outline also is this. Anger can be a productive emotion when used correctly. Anger can be a productive emotion when used correctly. Jesus was angry for a righteous cause, and he did something about it. He, he did something productive about it. And, you know, maybe there's things in, in, in life for you that uh, you could use your anger to actually be productive with it and go get something done. I know guys like Jesus and Peter and Paul and John, you know, they got angry about the things that they saw the devil doing. So what did they do? They went out and preached the gospel about it. They went out and laid hands on the sick. They cast the devil out of people. They used their anger, their righteous anger, to bring about a good change. And so, again, in our life, can we look at, are you angry because they didn't put enough cheese on your Big Mac? 
Are you angry because, you know, you see somebody hurting somebody else or disrespecting the house of God? What is it that we're angry about? If we're angry for a righteous cause, we can do productive things with anger when handled in the right way. But I'm going to go on to point number two, and it's this. Number two, with anger, it does damage when you don't control it. Anger, it will do damage when we don't control it. All right? And so, hey, anger is only one letter away from danger. I know that's deep. I know. Ponder that for a minute. Some of you are like, how's that? No, you, you put a D on there. D stands for devil. And <laughs> yet anger is one letter away from danger. And, and so that's how close, whenever we let anger control us, we're this close. We're one step away from bringing some danger into our lives. And, and you know, it, it's, sometimes it it's just confuses me that I see some people that are proud of their temper. You know, they, they know that it's harming people, but they'll say things like, well, everyone knows I'm like that. I'm the one that you can't talk to that way because everyone knows I'll just, boom, blow up. You're proud of that? You're proud that nobody can be themselves around you? That they've got to tiptoe around and, and, and handle you with kid gloves or you'll just blow up like dynamite? You're proud of that? That's not something to be proud of. Or say, like, say things like, oh, just you got to get over it. That's, you know, everyone knows that I'm me and you just got to get over it when you're around me. I heard it, there's a famous preacher way back in the day named Billy Sunday. He was a retired professional baseball player. But one time this lady came to him for, you know, talk about her temper. And she's like, well, you know what? With my temper and my anger, I feel like I just blow up. I get it all out. Then I feel better. And they can just get over it. And he's like, well, so does a shotgun. It just blows up, gets it all out. (laughs) But look at the damage that it leaves behind. You may feel better, but what about your kids? What about your wife? What about everybody else that has to deal with the after effects. And we're talking about the agape love of God. And so in discussing anger, this is on your handout there. Anger hurts you. Anger hurts you. This should be on the screen. My computer boys, can you get that on the screen if it's on there? Anger hurts you. Maybe I didn't put that on the PowerPoint. All right. But let's look at Ephesians 4 and verse 27. Ephesians 4 and verse 27. So we're talking about anger. And so Anger, you know, first of all, obviously it hurts others, but it hurts you as well. So Ephesians 4 and verse 27, and as I said, we're going to keep going uh, back and forth to Ephesians 4 today. But look at this very next verse. We just read the previous verse, but it says this, For anger gives a foothold to the devil. Now the King James says, you know, neither give place to the devil. But in discussing anger... For anger gives a foothold to the devil. Imagine trying to walk through life every day, and you've got a grown man wrapped around your ankle. You're like, man, wow. I just, it seems so hard to just get, there's a struggle. It's like I'm striving and, and, and I'm trying to get through life, but, but the struggle is real. And, and, and I feel like I'm just weighed down. Well, whenever we are letting anger have a root in our life and, and a stronghold, it says that it's giving a foothold to the devil. No wonder the struggle is real. No wonder it seems so difficult to get things done and, and you seem slowed down and weighed down 
you, the devil has got you in a foothold. And, and it, it's a sad thing to look at, but the good news out of all of this, which we'll get to, is there is freedom. Amen? Because Jesus came to set us free. And, and, and whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Amen? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And if we let Jesus come in and have His way, He can break all these chains from our life. And we can experience freedom. But as I said, anger hurts you. And I was just looking up some of this, you know, this week that statistically speaking, people that score really high for anger issues on standard personality tests are four times more likely to die at a, at a young age than people who just test regular. Four times more likely to die prematurely than somebody that, that is not constantly dealing with anger and rage issues. Now, we, we saw in Ephesians 4.26, to let not the sun go down upon your wrath. That's just really good spiritual wisdom. Who knows that? That's also really solid health advice, <laughs> if you look at it. No, really, because I, as I, was, I was also reading, you know, I have my Ph.D. in Google, so me and WebMD, we get along real good. And so, I, you know, I'm looking at all this stuff and all these studies and research about how somebody that consistently has anger issues, they usually don't sleep good at all. And, a, and you dig into that a little bit further, if you consistently, for prolonged periods of time, don't get good enough sleep, it has devastating health effects on you, and you'll die younger, no doubt about it. And so the Bible says, hey, deal with that anger. You need to get some good sleep. Don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. And we're all like, yeah, that's probably good advice. That's for your own benefit, man. That's for your health. So you don't die at the age of 40. Come on, somebody. The Bible is trying to save your life right here. And so anger hurts you. The next thing, I guess I didn't put this on the screen, so forgive me, but is anger hurts others. Anger hurts others. It hurts you, but it hurts others. The great Benjamin Franklin, amen, is he your favorite president? He wasn't a president. Come on. I, t I told somebody this a while back that he wasn't a president. They're like, yes, he was. No, he wasn't. But he was a really good man, all right? And so, but Benjamin Franklin, uh, he said this, whatever is begun in anger ends in shame. Whatever begins in anger ends in shame. And I know, man, that we could all look back on our lives and, and say, you know what? Oh, I just handled that whole thing out of anger and I am ashamed of how that turned out. If I had not let anger make that decision, if I had not blown up, I could have handled it better. Show of hands. Who thinks that, and I, I, my hand is raised, that there's some things that you look back on that are a little bit shameful in your life that you handled with anger. And I, I can raise my hand to that and say, I, I'm, I'm embarrassed. I'm ashamed that I let that happen. And it began, it began in anger. And so, again, so many times we, we make decisions to try to, to justify it or say, yeah, well, that's just who I am. But I want to look at the book of Proverbs here. We're going to look at several Proverbs. And as a free gift to you today, they are all on your little outline there. So you can take these home and look at them. Amen. Read them. Let's give a hand for the book of Proverbs. Amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. So... There are more verses than this in the book of Proverbs discussing this topic, but I felt that this was a sufficient amount of evidence uh, to, to handle our case here. So Proverbs, 
We're going to look, first of all, chapter 14. There's several of these, so we'll kind of uh, just read them pretty quick here. But Proverbs chapter 14, and I love Proverbs because it is so direct. It doesn't beat around the bush. It just says things straight to the point. And some of us need that. Are you a person that you just need straight to the point? So Proverbs 14, and we're going to look here, uh, starting at verse 17. Let's go. Here we go. Fun times. Short-tempered people do foolish things. Can I get an amen? All right. And schemers are hated. Are you a schemer? Don't raise your hand. No, 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 no. But schemers are hated. So short-tempered people do foolish things and schemers are hated. Flip down here to verse 29. Verse 29, it says, people with understanding control their anger. A hot tempered, a hot temper shows great foolishness. Now, in a lot of these verses, you'll see two words repeated together over and over again. The words temper and fool. Temper and fool, all right? And so I'm just, you know, do with that what you want to do. But foolishness and anger and temper seem to go together a lot. Look at 19, 19, Proverbs 19, 19. Amen. Um, this is a, here's a, wow, what an interesting verse. It says, hot-tempered people must pay the penalty. If you rescue them once, you will have to do it again. Think about that. I mean, that's something to ponder and think about. But at some point or another, you know, I'm all obviously heavy on the mercy side, heavy on the grace side, heavy on the love. And if I'm going to error, it's going to be on the side of love. I would rather love you too much than not enough. But there, uh, biblically speaking, there comes a point in time where you just, if, if your temper and your anger is consistently damaging and harming other people, eventually you've got to just pay the price for that. And, and, and you've got to have some consequences or you won't stop. That's why we discipline our children, because until there's a consequence, we'll just keep doing it, right? No, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's what I've learned, but <laughs> listen to me. And so hot-tempered people, eventually, at some point, they're going to have to pay the penalty. Because if you rescue them once, you just have to keep doing it again. Let's move on to the next verse, shall we? Amen. Who's having a good time? All right. I can tell when we're hitting a heavy nerve when we're touching a deep topic in this room because everyone's just real silent and and, and like, oh, man, why are we talking about this? But you got to talk about it. Proverbs 20 and verse 3. Avoiding a fight is a mark of honor. Well, my parents always told me it was a mark of a coward. Okay, well, good for you. But the Bible says it's a mark of honor. Only fools insist on quarreling. Only a fool has to always fight. And I, I'm just, hey, I know people that they insist on quarreling. They enjoy drama. They were raised in it. It is a part of the family. And if you were to kick drama out, you might as well just kick their cousin Billy out of the room too. I mean, it's just, it's how they live their life. They do not know how to function outside of the boundaries of drama and quarreling and fighting. Now, here's the good news. It is our calling at High Desert Word Center to be a family church. Everything that we're doing here is to help families out. 
And, and, and I mean it sincerely that if that's the type of family you were raised in and the type that you're raising now, we're not making fun of that. We're saying our calling as a church is to help you see a new way of doing things. Because I get if that's all you've ever seen, that's all you know to do, right? It's just natural. I don't blame you for it. If your parents always taught you to fight and, you know, cuss, and, and I get it. No wonder. I don't blame you. It's all you've ever seen. But the good news is, is as a church, you're at the right place. We're here to, through God's word, because I certainly don't have all the answers. That's obvious, all right? I'm not that bright, but I know this much. I'm studying God's word every day of my life to see how I can fix me and see how I can help my family and see how I can help this church so we can help this city. It all comes down to a divine calling upon our lives as a church family to help families. Some people got married and they didn't know how to be married. Their parents never got married or maybe, you know, divorced 10 times. I'm not making fun of that. What I'm saying is this, is that it's our calling to help you see how to be a husband to that precious lady that you married. We get it. You, your dad didn't do a good job at it. I understand that. Or maybe to show you how to be a wife and a mom and, and to raise those kids in a better way than what you were raised in. They don't have to go through the same things you went through. And again, it's not because I've got all the answers. It's because the Bible does. And so, again, I know people that everywhere they go, they get into an argument or a fight. They quarrel. Drama follows them everywhere. They were raised that way, and it's just a part of what their life is. But Jesus came to tear down those strongholds. Amen. He came in the name of Jesus to kick the devil out of your life. There is a better way. I'm telling you that right now. And, and, and when you've experienced a life free of fighting and drama and quarreling, what a relief. What a better way to live your life. That's what Jesus wants. Because if I'm not staying awake at night thinking about how I can pay you back, if I'm not spending the time of my day angry at you, I can be focusing on how I'm going to kick the devil's butt with the word of God. How I'm going to go in in the name of Jesus and break down the strongholds that are devastating your family. I can focus on the word of God if I'm not focused on how angry and how much I hate you and you looked at me wrong and you said the wrong words. Can we get an amen today? Help me out here, people. Come on. Help me out with this. I'm serious. There's a better way. And Jesus has that in the word of God. And so avoiding a fight isn't a mark of a true coward. It's a mark of honor. Only a fool insists on fighting and quarreling all the time. Let's go to the next proverb. That was a really fun one right there. Let's go to 29 verse 11. Proverbs 29 verse 11. Are we glad that we're hearing the word of God today? Proverbs 29 and verse 11. It says... Fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. Well, that's bad for you. Dr. Phil says that you've got to, I don't care what Dr. Phil says. I care what the Bible says, right? And so, yeah, there's a time for getting things off your chest and a time for discussing things. But the wise person, according to the Bible, they know how to quietly 
hold their anger back. That's the Bible. Look at verse 22. Verse 22. It says, an angry person starts fights. A hot-tempered person commits all kinds of sin. A hot-tempered person commits all kinds of sin. And I know that, again, we've, we've discussed this already today, but we can all, according to our show of hands, look back and say, my temper caused me to do things that I regret. My temper caused me to make shameful, embarrassing decisions. Well, the Word of God tells us that absolutely we can be free from this, and a wise person knows how to hold it back, and we don't get ourselves into so many sins. I heard a story about this little boy that had a really bad temper. And so he, you know, his dad said, we, this kid's got to get a, a hold of this situation. So his dad gave him a bag of nails and told him that every time he lost his temper, he had to go hammer a nail in the back fence. The first day, the little boy had driven 37 nails into the fence. Whew, that's a lot. But it started to slowly dwindle down. He discovered that it was easier to hold his temper in than to go drive nails into a fence in, you know, in the middle of the heat. And so finally the day came when the boy didn't lose his temper at all for a whole day. So his dad, uh, he told his dad about it and said, Dad, I finally made it. I didn't have to hammer any nails today. And so it was an exciting day. So his dad said, okay, now here's the next step to this. Uh, I want you to every time you don't lose your temper to go pull one of those nails out. Every time you successfully control it, go pull one of those nails out. And, and so over the course of time, the day finally came when he pulled the last nail out of the fence. What a relief. What a big day. So his dad said, man, good job. I'm proud of you. You've got control of this thing now. I want you to look at all the hundreds of holes in that fence. All of those holes, that fence will never be the same. We can't fix every single one of those. And when you say things in anger, you're just, you know, look at that fence right there. It leaves scars, permanent damage behind. You can put a knife in a man and draw it out. No matter how many times you say, sorry, the wound is still going to be there. It leaves wounds. It leaves scars. I'm like, man, that dad taught his boy a good lesson there that, yes, we got to say sorry. Yes, we got to do our best to mend things. But there are scars that it leaves behind. And, and that's just something for us to consider in our lives. What are, what are we talking about? The agape love of God. We want to love how Jesus loved. We're called to pattern our lives after him. We'll never fully, 100%, be as awesome as Jesus. Duh. We'll never fully get there, but we are called to be Christian, to be Christ-like, and to try the best that we can to pattern our lives after Jesus Christ. That's why we're doing what we're doing. And so the third thing today is this, talking about temper. Number three, this may not be a popular point, but I believe it's true, is that you can control it. It is possible through the grace of God. It is possible that we can control it. Now, there's a verse that I love that you probably know, and it's 2 Timothy 1.7. And it's a verse that we mainly use for fear, but let's look at 2 Timothy 1.7 today. 
Amen. Who knows 2 Timothy 1.7? Now, we usually use this regarding fear. Now, a lot of us have it memorized in the King James. That's, of course, what I learned it in. It says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a what? It says sound mind in the King James. And that's really good because if you don't have a sound mind, praise God, the Lord has given you a sound mind. If you were crazy, you don't got to be crazy anymore. If you were a emotional basket case, if you were a roller coaster, if you were just, you know, all over the place, that's really, really good news that he's given you a sound mind. I really like how the, the New Living Translation uh, interprets this last word here because it's really uh, more accurate to the original Greek word. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Self-discipline, self-control, this is what God's given us. And so, again, we would say, yeah, but I can't control this emotion. I sympathize, but if you're born again as a Christian, according to the Bible, you do have a spirit of self-discipline. And it's also in Galatians 5, verse 23, it's a fruit of the Spirit. One of the, one of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. And so for us to say, that ain't no fair. God gave sister over here self-control, but he didn't give me none. Yes, he did. Absolutely. And what you don't realize, again, I, I, I say this, but it's the truth. We all struggle in different areas. Maybe some of you in here, anger isn't really a very big thing in your life. I get that but something else is. So don't look down upon and judge and get mad at the guy that struggles with anger. He needs to deal with it, but you struggle in a different area. And so the truth of the matter is this, the standard doesn't change. Our standard is the Bible. And for us to say, I can't control lust. I just have this issue and it's beyond my control. By the grace of God, you can. He's given you that ability You've got to tap into that ability. Well, I can't, I just, I'm tempted to steal all the time. So I just take little things from the store and you can't do that. Lying is really hard for me. I understand that, but you've got to get control of it. And you can't say that I can't control it. You can because God has given you a spirit of self-discipline and he has given you self-control, but you've got to live according to to the Bible, and according to your born-again spirit. And so I'm encouraging us today. I'm not putting us down. I'm encouraging us that there is freedom for this. But we've got to, first of all, admit when we need a little bit of help. Now, this is on your outline, and I believe you need to hear this. When we stop justifying and defending our anger issues, God can finally help us. When we stop justifying and defending our anger issues, God can finally help us. I was watching a, a wonderful sermon on YouTube this week. Really, probably the best sermon I've ever heard on this topic. And it's from a lady named Lisa Bevere. She's married to a famous minister and author named John Bevere. I never listened to her preach before, but I, I was just, you know, doing research and listening and trying to gather information for this Sunday sermon. And, and she talked about how anger, he's a famous preacher and everyone knew him. Anger had a stronghold in her life. 
I mean, she was telling stories about she's throwing dishes at him and breaking windows out. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is it was a real issue. And so she told a story about one time, you know, they had several kids. The baby was just throwing a fit and crying. And the thought came to her, I'm just going to go up there and shake him and lay him down. And I mean, she's just being very transparent. I'm like, wow. And so she goes up there to grab, you know, her, her little one. And she realizes, oh, my gosh. This is what my mom used to do to me, and I hated it, and I've hated my mom for how she treated me. Now I'm treating my own kids the same way. I yell at them. I blow up on them. I, I, I throw fits of rage at them, and, I, I, when I, and, and she had a, a thought come back to her. The most hurtful moment of her entire life was something her mom did to her, and in that moment she said, when I'm a mom, I'll never do that to my kids ever, and here she was doing the same thing. And so she's crying, and she says, God, help me. Please help me. And the Lord spoke to her and said, I want to help you, but you always defend and end up justifying your anger. Yeah, I I missed it. I blew up, but I did it because my husband said this. I did it because my kids did this. And he said, when you will quit defending and justifying your anger, I'll help you get rid of this once and for all. She said that was the turning point in her life. She no longer blamed her blow-ups on everybody else but herself. She started owning up to them. And by the grace of God, she was able to conquer anger and defeat it. And ensure the devil will always come back and try to hit you with what always worked before. But now she knew how to handle it. One great story that I heard that I, has helped me in life is this as a pastor and as a leader and as a dad and as a husband and as a dude is uh, I heard the story of John D. Rockefeller and, and I respect this guy. So anyway, richest man in the history of America, potentially the history of the world. All right. And so uh, he was a Christian man and, and uh, he served in his local church and he even tithed. And I, I forget that what his net worth would be in 2022 $20, dollars, but it makes Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos look poor. If he had in modern day money, he was like $600 billion or something crazy. But he, there's a story told about him that one time in the 1800s, one of his workers made a mistake that cost the Standard Oil, his company, a couple of million dollars. Now, in the 1800s, a couple million dollars, I mean, that's just a, a huge amount of money. And so one of Rockefeller's executives was in the office. They were calling this guy in to to figure out how to deal with them. And Rockefeller's assistant, you know, manager guy, looked down on the desk in front of Rockefeller, and there was a piece of paper. And Rockefeller was just writing down notes. And on one side of the paper, it said, good things that Mr. Smith has done over the years. And on the other side was negative things he had done. Rockefeller was writing a complete list of all the good things that this guy had done for the company. And then the list of the couple of bad things that had happened. And so the list of good things was huge, and the guy had made, you know, a couple mistakes out of all these years. And so the assistant is like, Mr. Rockefeller, what are you doing? He's like, anytime I'm dealing with a situation like this where I've got to handle a mistake that somebody made, he's like, I always try to put things into proper perspective. If this guy's done 50 awesome things and two bad things, I'm going to address the issue, but I'm not going to fire him and and try to throw his family out on the street. 
I'm going to realize that, hey, this is a good guy that made a mistake. And so he always handled decisions in that light. Now, in life, your life, maybe you're a boss on the job. Maybe you have people under you. I don't know. Maybe you're just a, a parent with a bunch of kids. Whatever your case is, anytime somebody blow, you know, makes a mistake and blows it, I encourage us to look at, okay, they made a mistake, but they also did this, this, and this that was really good. And if we would balance things out and put it in the proper perspective, I really believe that we could handle things in a level-headed way and not let anger control us and bring shame into our lives. Do we have time for one more verse? I realize I'm, I'm pushing our time here. Can we go to one more verse? Amen. All right. Listen, you, I, some of you are looking at your watch like the Baptists are going to beat you to KFC. It's still going to be there, okay? Chill out. All right. Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. Let's do this. Ephesians 4. And we're going to look here at verses 30 through 32. And this is where we're going to wrap it up today. Ephesians 4, verses 30 through 32. Amen. And so again, what is our goal? It's to be more like Jesus. And we were commanded to love as he loves. He says, I've given you a new commandment. Love as I have loved you. So Ephesians 4 and verse 30. Because one of the hardest things to acknowledge at least for me, is that our behavior can hurt not only ourselves and other people, but our behavior can hurt God himself. And it can ruin our Christian witness and reputation. Who cares how much Bible you know if you've got a reputation as being a jerk? Nobody wants to listen to a word you have to say if you're mean and nasty and blow up on. I don't care. Yeah, but I memorized the whole book of Ephesians. Why don't you just focus on living one of those verses? Because I don't care how much you know if you don't obey or do any of it. Ephesians 4, verse 30, it says, And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. You mean I can hurt God? I can bring sorrow to Him? Yeah, by the way you live, you can. Remember, He has identified you as His own guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. And so God's going around saying, hey, that's my daughter right there. Yeah, whoa, whoa, what's she doing right there? Oh, my goodness. He's identified you and claimed you as one of his kids. Now, parents, have your kids ever done something to embarrass you? Come on, yeah. I hear some, woo, yeah. They have, yeah. I mean, you know, that sometimes you're like, oh, wow, that's, you know, you turn your head the other way so no one knows that you and the child are, you know, together. But sometimes we can bring sorrow to God by the way we live. Verse 31, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. So look at that. All those words we just listed, that's lumped in with evil behavior. Well, yeah, I just get mad and angry all the time. Evil. Yeah, I just say mean things about people. That's evil. Verse 32. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. And I'm just, that's a great place to kind of bring this in for a landing here. But think about that. Whenever I think about how kind God has been to me, how can I treat his other people in a bad way? 
You know, how can he's been so good to me and, and he's been tenderhearted. He's been forgiving and, 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 I, and he has forgiven me of every stupid, mean thing that I've done. I've got to forgive others as I have been forgiven. And so let's go ahead and stand up together today as we kind of uh, end this. Amen. Have we received anything from the word of God today? Amen. And so none of us are perfect in this area, though it is a struggle for some more than others. I get that. But the standard doesn't change. We're all held accountable to the word of God in what we're doing here. And, you know, I, I, I just know that there is hope for us. Things can change, but they will never change until we quit defending what we do, until we quit justifying what we do. Things are never going to change. And, and, I, and, I, and I want things to be different for you. I want, I want your household to be a household of peace where your kids are happy to be there, where, where it's not like, man, I can't wait till I turn 18. I'm out of this place. No, no, I, I, I want them to love you and to love being a part of your family. And so I'm going to do something different than what I normally do today, but I, the Holy Spirit told me to do this this morning. But if you're here today and you know that your temper and anger is hurting your life and those that you care about, I do want to pray for you today. But I'm not going to ask you to come forward. Normally I would do that, but I just feel like I'm not supposed to do that, so I'm not going to. But I want us to bow our heads and close our eyes. And I want my eyes and God's eyes to be the only ones open in this room right now, okay? So as we pray, I do want, I do want you to at least do this as a step of faith. All right? There's no one looking around this room but me and Jesus. And I, you know, I'm not going to judge you, and Jesus isn't going to judge you, but we do want to help you. But if you're here and, and you could say this, that this has been an issue in my life, and I am not going to defend it, I'm going to say, hey, I need to deal with this, and I'm going to ask God for help in dealing with this. As a step of faith and as a sign of laying down your pride, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand real quick and admit that. Just admit it, all right? Thank you. I'm not here to judge you on that. I'm here to pray for you. Amen. You can put your hands down. And the reason I had you do that is because this is the first step in you not defending it. You've at least admitted to somebody, okay, I, I get it. I see it. I need to change. I need to work on this. And so that's why I had you raise your hand because, uh, again, you, nothing's going to change if you just keep defending it. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to pray over all of us, especially those that had had the guts to raise their hand and, and shoot down their pride and say, yeah, I, I need help. I'm going to pray over you today, and I would ask that in the name of Jesus that you would hook your heart up with this prayer and that you would uh, release your faith for the help of God in your life. Amen. I'm going to pray. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, I thank you for what you're doing today. You're working on our hearts and, and you want to help us, Lord. All of the scriptures we saw today, all those Proverbs, those weren't to shame any of us. Those weren't to hurt any of us. Those were to help us because your word uh, is truth and it's here to help. And sometimes when we get help, it's a little bit uncomfortable. Sometimes we don't change until the pain of change, Lord, it, 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 the, the pain of staying the same outweighs the pain of change. And Lord... We've got some pain sometimes in our life, and we have laid down our pride today, and we've admitted and said, yeah, I need, I need some help. 
I can't do this all on my own. And so, Jesus, I, at this moment in time, am releasing my faith and your power over everybody here that's asked for help, Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I pray that you are working on their hearts day by day by day, that the peace of God Almighty is working spirit, soul, and body upon them, Lord, and that they do in the name of Jesus. Because of you, have the power to control it, the power to make better decisions and better choices. And we thank you, Lord, that that all things are possible with you. And so we're not just counting on our own strong will or our own willpower. Lord, we're asking you for help. I pray in the name of Jesus that your supernatural help and, and anointing will be in their lives to help them with this right now in the name of Jesus. And we realize that just because we pray to prayer doesn't mean, okay, well, nothing's going to happen to make them mad anymore. No, they'll probably have a chance by the time they leave this building to get mad. But I pray in the name of Jesus that they will listen to you. And every time the opportunity for an outburst or, or an anger issue arises, Holy Spirit, please speak to their hearts and remind them of this moment and help them to say, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. Holy Spirit, help me in the name of Jesus. Lord, you are good, and your mercy endures forever. And if we need to ask for forgiveness, Lord, help us to ask for forgiveness and repent. In Jesus' mighty name, thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. The Lord is good to us, isn't he? His mercy endures forever. I'm so glad that he gives us new chances every day. Well, I'm going to ask Josh to lead us in a worship song here. Maybe you're here and you need prayer for something. Maybe it's that issue. Maybe it's something else. I'm going to ask my prayer team to come on up today. And if the message, if the word of God is spoken to your heart today, I would encourage you to, uh, to just take a few minutes here as we're praying for people to, to talk to God some more if you need to and, uh, and, and do what you need to do there. But if you need prayer for anything, please come forward. We want to pray for you. The biggest thing of all is if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, we're going to handle that today. Come on up, and we're going to pray for you. I believe you're the wonder-working God. You're the wonder-working God. All the miracles I've seen. Too good to not believe You're the wonder-working God And you heal because you love All the miracles I've seen Too good to not believe You're the wonder-working God You're the wonder-working God all the miracles I've seen, too good to not believe. You're the wonder-working God, and you heal because you love. All the miracles I've seen, too good to not believe. Too good to not believe. Too good to not believe. can't resurrect a man with my own hands. But just the mention of your name can raise the dead. Oh, 
too good to not believe you're the wonder working God and you heal because you love all the miracles I've seen too good to not believe too good to not believe too good to not believe Amen. All right. Well, praise God. Who has received from the word of God today? Amen. God is good. Hallelujah. Well, we want to remind you of service tonight, six o'clock. It's going to be absolutely fire. So you need to be here for that. And also, men, the fishing trip is tomorrow. All right. It's going to be great. I encourage you. That's a great chance to get to know uh, some of the men of the church better and everything like that. So Tim is really in charge of this trip. If you've got any questions, uh, go talk to Tim right there. And, yeah, you can bring your boys and uh, bring the kids if you want to do that. Uh, so we want to, uh, again, it's a great chance to uh, just get to know the men. Um, praise the Lord. Uh, oh, uh, yeah, that's it. All right. I'm trying to think of all the announcements. That's good. All right. Well, let's go ahead and close things out right now. And, uh, again, be here tonight. We're going to do it all over again for a lot more fun. And we're going to speak some words of faith over Barstow here. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, so much for what we've seen in your word today. Lord, you are good, and your mercy endures forever. And, Lord, we know that, hey, you're not here uh, uh, trying to come down on us or judge us. Lord, you're trying to make things better for our life. You're trying to set us free so we can be everything that you have for us, Lord. You are good, and we thank you for that. And as we have prayed today, we know that you are working in our lives and, uh, and given us the power, Lord, to live our best for you. Help us to be the light of the world this week everywhere we go. You are good, and your mercy endures forever. In Jesus' name, can everybody say amen? All right. Let's close out with the Barstow Faith Confession. Let's have Pastor Katie do it for us today. Come on. Yeah, she's real good at this. All right. Amen. This is payback, huh? Yep. You're welcome. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen.